Hello, and welcome to the Breath of Rebellion podcast. I'm Haley, and today I have with me Rebecca Sebastian, who is a longtime yoga teacher, 11-year yoga therapist, co-founder of a yoga nonprofit called the Quad Cities Yoga Foundation. She owns an accessible and inclusivity-focused yoga studio and apothecary in Davenport, Iowa, called Sunlight Yoga and Apothecary. She also has her own podcast called Working in Yoga. She's a passionate writer on yoga and participates and loves all things yoga and the yoga industry. Yes. She believes that through writing and communication, we can all lift each other up and share what lights us up with the world. Oh, amazing. Rebecca, welcome to my podcast. So good to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, Haley. I'm excited to be here and I just like talking to you. So this is going to be fun. Me too. I'm super excited and I would love to share with the audience like how um, we met because it's been pretty recent. Um, so I met Rebecca when we were in Decorah, Iowa at Driftless Yoga Festival. And Rebecca and I had a very like amazing conversation that just totally lit me up on the Saturday night like facilitator um, meetup. And it was really beautiful to have conversations about yoga as a business and to meet someone who had very similar views as I on, you know, the, the workings of how to deliver yoga, how to make sure we are taken care of and getting our needs met, like sustainable income, things like that. So that's, um, that's kind of why we're here. I wanted to have you on and just kind of shoot the shit a little bit about the yoga industry and some, some cool things and some things that we would like to see um, changed. So how are you feeling, Perfect. Rebecca? <laughs> Let's go. This is like my favorite topic of all time. I love it. I love us as an industry. I think we have such extraordinarily amazing humans in our industry. And like, we're never lifting each other up enough. So let's talk no. about all the cool work we do and what we can do to improve it so we can all get paid more. Yes. And that is, and that is the thing. Like when I, and you know, my audience knows this, like when I left my corporate gig and um, realized that I had a gift of communication and I wanted to share my knowledge about yoga, I knew immediately that it's like, I can't do this the way that most people are doing this because um, yoga teachers, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of expectations that we don't get paid or that we work for free or that we work for $20 for an hour long class. And that's honestly not sustainable where, you know, I knew I'd have to like make a living wage and that meant doing things differently. And that's what I love about you and your, your take on it. So what do you want to start with? Like what's bubbling up for you? <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's talk about that living wage idea, right? Because I feel like it's worth unpacking partially mm -hmm. because we are an industry of overwhelmingly humans who have been socialized as women and we've been socialized to not get paid we're socialized to cut coupons, stop drinking lattes. And I mean, you can follow investment companies that, that gear towards women who will talk about all the stuff. We have an whole industry of humans where women and hopefully BIPOC folks and folks of other marginalized identities feel comfortable coming in and doing their work. And we're telling everybody that we shouldn't be asking for a thriving wage. Like mm. that in itself feels really problematic to me. There's enough money in our industry. We've got like 50 billion of it floating around yes. in there. <laughs> let's talk let's talk a little bit yes. about the numbers because you're so good at this and the numbers were shocking to me. Um so tell me about a little of the research that you did with Yoga Alliance, maybe Lululemon or the industry in general. Yeah, of course, cuz a lot of people don't know the numbers. We just are told like, "Oh, there's not enough to go around." And then when you look at the numbers, like where we are by all statistics. And so Yoga Alliance and Yoga Journal did a co-study in, I believe it was 2017 or 2018, where they said there was about $44 billion in our industry. Now, this was pre-COVID, but also we were getting only bigger and more robust 2017, 2018, 2019, right? Like, so by all estimates, there's between 50 and 60 billion with a B dollars in our industry. And so like, to me, it makes no sense then that the workers in our industry are like, well, damn, should I get paid $20 or $25? <laughs> like, 
where to me i was like honestly i was like where the hell is all that money because we're all dirt poor mm-hmm. what like what is this about and a lot of the money comes in our athleisure wear so like yoga pants actually i just saw today somebody quoted yoga pants they alone are worth and this was um prasad who is a yoga teacher from india yoga prasad is a really great instagram um, account to follow and prasad quoted something like 38 billion with a b dollars just in yoga pants mm-hmm. like just in the stretchy pants y'all <laughs> yes and that that to me is an amazing statement frustrating but also like gives a lot of opportunity for change because yeah the reason this hits home for me is because I've received um, many messages about my pricing, about how much my events are, how much I charge. And, you know, it's a little baffling to me because I don't feel like people would do that to their dentist or their doctor or their lawyer or go into a retail shop and look at a pair of jeans and be like, these are too much. They need to be lower. Um, So, you know, it's... (laughs) I've had to remove myself a little bit from the validation I need and really step into like, okay, like I know what I'm delivering is value um, and I create an experience, but you know, seeing people who will blow $125 on a pair of yoga pants, but then, you know, are like, oh no, I can't pay, you know, $60 for a four hour workshop. You know, it's kind of like where, where do our priorities lie? So, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. And partially, I do think that it's how we are communicating our value to our customers, which we don't talk a lot about. Like oftentimes yoga folks are using a lot of what, for lack of a better word, and I don't like this term, but it's like new agey terminology as opposed to saying like, look, this is my time, effort, and money that I put into my training. This mm-hmm. is my skill set and experience that I have that you don't because not anybody can just walk into a front of a room and skillfully create an experience using, you know, all of the things that yoga gives us to use, you know, the movement, the meditation, the breath work, the philosophy, like that's not an easy gig. Mm-hmm. I mean, the asana, which is what most of us teach, like in yoga, you're teaching how to move your body in space. Like that's the easy part. The rest of it is like, how are you facilitating a transformational experience to your students? Like Mm -hmm. that has value and we're not telling our students how much value it has. We're not telling the public the good work that we do. I mean, if we all didn't love this industry, it's stupid. None of us would be here. (laughs) Right. Right. No, if we didn't love it, we wouldn't be here because it's not easy. No. I mean, I, I joke all the time. I'm like, I have the dumbest job. This job is dumb. Like none of us make money. We have to fight literally ourselves, even order, even to like ask for more money. Mm-hmm. Like we've certainly not come together as an industry. And I want us to, because I feel like what we do is important. It, yoga made a difference in my life and in your life and in so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. It, I right. think we could do better. We absolutely can do better, but I want to kind of like, I want to unpack yoga as a business because there is a large school of thought. People have thought that think that yoga, we shouldn't yoga, you shouldn't charge for yoga at all, right? Like yoga should be free. And I really loved your perspective on the reframe. So I would love for you to share, you know, how you view that and what your perspective is on the naysayers about how yoga isn't a business or shouldn't it be, you shouldn't charge yeah so um in my reframe the yoga is free it's a gift it was a gift from my teachers to me and it was a gift it is a gift from me to my students so what do i sell like to me that point of commoditization like why we exchange money for the service is really really important so like the exchange of money in my business is not for the yoga the yoga is free it's not mine to sell it's comes from India. I don't come from India. It comes from a culture in which I am not a member of, clearly has been whitewashed in the culture I currently live in. So I don't sell it, but I sell the experience. Mm -hmm. I sell what it is to come in through my door and have it smell a certain way. I have my studio look a certain way. I'm tight on all of the experience things. And that's why you pay me the money. And my experience is good. Mm -hmm. So I think we really need to unpack what it is that we're actually selling in yoga. You know, I talk about this all the time, like this 
like why are goods and services exchanged sometimes we sell shame which i think is really sucky like we should stop making people feel bad about their bodies so that they can come to yoga the amount of people in the wellness industry who i hear say if you don't spend money on your wellness you'll spend money on your illness like let's stop doing that mm-hmm. like like yeah. sell something else mm-hmm. yeah exactly i mean my biggest passion is creating experiences. That's why I resonate with you. That's why like our connection off the bat was like, yes, yes, she gets it. And she has experience. And that's why I look up to you. That's why you have become a mentor and a coach for me. Um, Because you've been doing this a while and you see your own value and you know how to go about it in a way that creates sustainability. And that's really what it comes down to is that I did a whole podcast um, about primarily on donation based things. And we can get into that too, because I love your perspective on donation and sliding scale. Um, But if the frontline people who are working with the general public and creating opportunities for collective healing are not getting paid enough to live that isn't sustainable right so if like i'm getting paid 20 dollars per yoga class let's even break that down because i did this once a long time ago like say 25 dollars okay yeah 25 dollars for a one hour yoga class okay so you have your 60 minutes of facilitation okay but we also have prep time for the class you have to plan the class you have to For me, I have to build playlists as well, which is actually quite time consuming because I'm creating an experience. So I need the music to match the energetic shift. So prep work, let's say 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes. Okay. Then um, we have to arrive before the class starts and we have to hang around after the class starts. So that's at least, I would say an hour, half hour. And for my events that are longer, I'm there at least an hour before the class starts to cleanse the space, prep the space set up. So we've got 60 minute facilitation, we'll say 30 minute prep time. You're there a half hour before and a half hour after adding another hour. So you're at two and a half hours for a one 60 minute class. And at $25, we are getting paid $10 an hour, $10 an hour. And right. So how, I mean, when we think about a 40 hour work week, right? Like $400 a week, $1,600 a month. That is below the poverty line. That's poverty wages. Mm -hmm. And that also assumes that we have 40 hours a week worth of work, which we don't. Right. That's the part that people, especially like folks who are Googling yoga or even yoga therapy, they go on Indeed, like Indeed has all the pricing for industries. Mm-hmm. And Indeed says that yoga teachers get paid like $52,000 a year. And I was like, <laughs> I have never met that fucking teacher. <laughs> Where's that teacher at? <laughs> but here's what we can assume, right? Like most of us are only physically facilitating classes like 10 to 12 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So then if you're telling indeed, say how much we make in that 10 to 12 hours a week. Now I used to week, I used to teach 18 classes a week and it was way too much, but it was definitely what we in the early two thousands were doing. You were just picking up class after class. Mm -hmm. Um, But so then they just multiply that number out to equal 40, Mm -hmm. but we don't have 40 hours a week worth of work for any of us to do. Like, Mm -hmm. can you imagine what it would be to teach 40 yoga classes a week? No, right. I, I, I literally can't even fathom that. 2018 to 20 was my max. And I did that while I was pregnant with both of my kids, which is dumb. And you should not do that. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but the industry like pushes us in that direction, kind of. It's like, well, I have to take what I can get or I have to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know. It kind of makes me speechless sometimes. <laughs> Well, and again, this was in like 2008, 2010, like even the industry we exist in now doesn't have that work for me, even if I wanted to go back to doing that. Like, I don't have 18 yoga classes in my business for Mm -hmm. me to teach right now. Like, we don't have an industry that would sustain that in any way. That's very old school. Oof, yeah, it is old school. And I mean, there's a like, there's a time and a place because I was talking about this on my Instagram stories today about because someone had asked the question, like, I'm intrigued by yoga and meditation, but I don't know where to start. You know, what advice can you 
can you give? And when I'm sharing my story, you know, I attended Power Life Yoga, which is a hot yoga studio here in Des Moines. That was sort of my intro a little bit. I did a beginner series and then the, the, the Power Life, the hot yoga, but it helped me develop consistency because there were so many classes. There was so many classes on the schedule. And I'm like, how did it get to that point? Like, how do you have so many classes on the schedule? You're continually expanding. They have multiple locations here in Des Moines and Kansas City. Um, yet, we're still not making money. The people that are actually delivering the class, right? Working their ass off, $25 a class. Um, so there's something like amiss a little bit, you know, all this money not trickling down to the bottom, where where is it? Well, and I think it's worth noting that very well Power Life and other places, like they're doing like a model of trying to get as many humans through the door as we physically can do. Like mm -hmm. COVID taught us the flaws in that model, right? Because if you can't shove as many bodies in the door as you possibly can, you literally aren't covering your costs, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're just trying to like, it's like in business terminology, you're like racing for the bottom, like the mm -hmm. cheapest rate that as many people as you can shove into a room in order to make your margins. Cause you can make profit a thousand different ways. You could, you know, if you needed to make a thousand dollars a week, you can make it off one client for a thousand dollars or a hundred clients for $10. Mm -hmm. And they're going for a hundred clients for $10. Mm -hmm. But most likely those places, like if you were to run their numbers, they're likely making their money off teacher training. Mm. So that's, that's really where the cycle is, right? So you can't teach at, you know, hot yoga studio chain X, you know, we'll call them yoga seven instead of yoga six, which is a chain, right? You can't teach at yoga seven if you don't take yoga sevens teacher training. And then once you take their teacher training and you teach, you are obligated to funnel as many of your students as you can into their teacher training so that they then make more money. Mm -hmm. But it's a snake that eats its tail because eventually you run out of students mm -hmm. Who want to be yoga teachers and that's really what we're facing right like so our great resignation that happened in covid we saw this mass exodus of people in the industry and a whole bunch of people were like oh thank god there's fewer of us and i was like what guarantee do you have that the good people didn't leave right like it's nonsense well and on top of that what i saw and during COVID was because Yoga Alliance changed their policies on teacher trainings, right? So now it's virtual, like you can do, yep. you know, tons of virtual and I'm seeing yoga teacher trainings for $400, for $425. Yes. And I, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to make the assumption that that training isn't value add, but if you're just watching recordings and you're never really being face to face with someone because yoga is also a physical practice, right? Asana. It just, it, it, it gave me anxiety a little bit because I'm like, is the market now going to be flooded with people with mediocre trainings that haven't developed? For me, it's just, it's different. You know, I want to work with, I want a teacher. I want a teacher. I want to build a connection with the teacher and the teachings and the lineage. And I want to immerse myself in it. And I don't know if that's possible, you know, by just watching recordings um, and paying a very low amount because there is, you know, I don't like to say like, oh, you have to invest a certain amount, but there needs to be a, a certain level of commitment there um, as far as the investment goes in exchange. But yeah. Yeah, I think it's complicated, right? Because one of the things with teacher trainings, those like $400 teacher trainings that I did see was that folks who were floating around the outsides of yoga, who loved yoga, who wanted to be yoga teachers, but couldn't afford $2,500, mm -hmm. now could go and take a $400 teacher training, teach and gain experience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to be frank, what makes you a better teacher is the more you teach. Like, you just have to do the thing over and over again. You know, like the number for expertise, right, is like 10,000. If you do 10,000 hours of whatever it is, you'll be an expert, whether it's underwater basket weaving or teaching yoga or cooking or reading, you're an expert at it at 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. So for folks who don't have financial resources, that was a way for them to get some kind True. of certification and start getting their hours. 
But again, we have no guarantee that they're good teachers, that they're bad teachers. We have no idea even who the facilitators are in these $400 trainings. If it's all video recordings, you can be on your best behavior for for 200 hours worth of video recordings. You can like come and your hair is all polished, you know, and your shirt looks nice and you're saying, you're closing your eyes and saying all nice words of wisdom, but then you literally can go home and kick your dog and we have no idea. Mm. Well, and that sort of opens up another talking point about accountability in the yoga industry um, because we all know that there is harm being caused. (laughs) There's harm that has been caused with different teachers and um, shit. I mean, even on Netflix, there are documentaries about this happening. Um, So what are your thoughts like on Yoga Alliance in general, like, and what they do for yoga teachers? Hi, Yoga Alliance. <laughs> I'll just forward you my the, the, my podcast here with right you. because <laughs> what you just shared with me there they they know you they know who you are I, I mean but it's true so we all know that accountability is an issue in general culturally speaking accountability is an issue but the absurdity of the fact that within our industry so I in a studio if I was misbehaving at my studio say I was you know whatever, you're harming students, sexually misbehaving, whatever you would go under misconduct. Mm -hmm. And everybody in my town knew it and stopped coming to my yoga studio. There is nothing, and I'm in Davenport, right? We're both in Iowa. There's nothing stopping me from moving to Iowa City, opening a studio and doing the exact same thing. There is no database. There's no place for us to be professionally accountable. Now, if I was harming students, they could call the police, but most people won't. So who holds us accountable? I mean, it isn't the Yoga Alliance. To my, from my experience, people who report misconduct to the Yoga Alliance get silenced. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know they love to say every time that we say, hey, this is your literal job. This is why people pay you, you know, $90 a year is so that you hold a, you're a professional organization. You hold the industry accountable. And they say, oh, we know we're working on it. I mean, work faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you really kind of opened up um, a new take for me on Yoga Alliance um, because it seems like it's a necessary evil a little bit. Like if you're not, you know, I, I guess I don't even know, but I log my hours in Yoga Alliance and you're like, why? You know what I mean? Like what, <laughs> like what, what is, what is the point? It's, what is the point? I mean, what they offer us some discounts and they give us that little, yeah. you know, um, PDF graphic that we can, you know, like RYT yeah. 200, ERYT 200, RYT 500. Um, so what are we paying for? And how much money are they making? <laughs> what is, what is that those, structure? I have those answers too. <laughs> so, I mean, essentially what they're doing when they send you that PDF and it's very smart, right? They're sending you marketing material so that you can market yourself to people who are outside the industry. So somebody who's not in yoga has no idea that the Yoga Alliance essentially just gets its discounts on insurance and athleta. Like Mm -hmm. they have no idea. They just go, okay, this is their professional organization. They hold some kind of credential. So it must mean something. Mm -hmm. So, so, so we actually have no way really of telling the general public, unless we all start speaking out that being a yoga Alliance certified, you know, school or teacher or whatever, doesn't really mean anything, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's marketing. And marketing is effective and you know i mean 90 bucks a year for marketing in all fairness isn't that much money to spend so sure. if you want your thing for 90 dollars, so you can market against studios like mine that don't hold the credential yeah pay it okay but they do have a lot of money coming in every year i mean like millions and millions of dollars and Pooja and I, I mean, so again, I'll tell your listeners this, you can go on the website, Candid, C-A-N-D-I-D, and it is the website that tracks nonprofits in the United States. And you can log in, make your register for your free account, log in and look up the Yoga Alliance. 
Now, the last time I did it, I think their records were like 2017. So they're not new, but it was, you know, in the upper tens of millions of dollars, $97 million that they were taking in. Um, again, I'm sure they were devastated by COVID like all the rest of us. Mm -hmm. But also when you ask, where's all that money? You have to be looking at that professional organization as where some of that money is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And what, again, like it's, it just kills me. Like there's just this assumption when you become a yoga teacher that you will be yoga or yoga Alliance certified. And there was actually, um, there was a situation up in Northwest Iowa with a studio a few years back that, um, she was selling a teacher training. I actually had a friend who took it and she wasn't actually yoga Alliance certified. And that was a whole deal. She actually got sued, I believe, for that. So I, I can't remember if she was actually advertising as being Yoga Alliance certified, but it was unbeknownst um, to her students. But in reality, they're still yoga teachers. They still finished the training. They still got the information and the wisdom, but it has become such an important and quotes thing and we don't even know why because we haven't asked the questions until we're having this conversation now um but really that's the intention of this conversation is just to highlight some things that people don't know about they don't understand or they make assumptions about that yoga alliance is not the end-all be-all and just because you're yoga alliance certified doesn't mean that you are a good teacher or had a, a good training no, they're not even checking the schools really, right? So if you graduate from a Yoga Alliance certified school, what it means is that you can go through a very elaborate application process, which is rigorous, right? Like by all accounts takes months. Like it's it's a very elaborate application where you have to knock out each of your hours. Like we're spending this many hours doing this, this many hours doing that. Um, but there's no follow-up, right? So the minute you get your Yoga Alliance accredited school, there's nobody checking to make sure that you're not using your position as a sacred teacher to manipulate your students to give you time, energy, money, mm -hmm. sexual favors, whatever, like all the things that have been problems within our industry. Like nobody checks after that. Mm -hmm. Nobody's emailing the students who graduated from your yoga teacher training program and saying, hey, you know, 80% of your students have to give you a review of some kind. And sometimes I have heard of when they started a review process, I have heard of Yoga Alliance registered schools holding back people's diplomas until they gave them a good review on the Yoga Alliance. Wow. Man, there's so, there's so much there. <laughs> so much there. So, I am going to switch gears a little bit because I keep writing down this same note. <laughs> well, well, maybe we'll come back to Yoga Alliance. Um, but the idea of just because I was very passionate about this and the donation based sliding scale, the rates. And I also wanted to actually let's let's start with this one about yoga as a business um, for the naysayers out there who don't think we should charge, don't think this should be considered a profession. What do you say to that? Well, I say that if I have to pay the Yoga Alliance dues, we're a profession. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, if I have to pay for my education and training, we're a profession. A profession is anything that is uh, something that you do that pays you money, that requires some sort of training and formalized education. Mm -hmm. That's us. I mean, it's that simple. Like, it's also massage therapists. It's also, like, nail technicians. It's, like things that we don't like to think of as actual quote unquote professions mm -hmm. folks went to school for, they got training, certification, experience, some kind of credential, and then they get paid for doing that work. That's a profession. Mm -hmm. it's, yes. it, it, like I, I hear you that everybody doesn't want to say we're a profession and they want to say that we shouldn't make money, but too bad. You explain how we're going to get rid of the $66 billion within our industry. Mm -hmm. Like, no one's just leaving. <laughs> like nobody's like, well, damn, we make $66 billion, but let's just walk away from that. Yeah. Like that, that's not how capitalism works. 
Right. It is a very, it's a, this is a skill set that you and I both have that other yoga teachers have, and we bring our own unique flavor to it. Um, yeah. It is. And I've never really thought about that perspective as like comparing it to, you know, any a massage therapy or any job that requires some form of training and training. It's expensive. It's expensive and it's time consuming. And I mean, the amount of dollars that I've spent on my training, I don't know if I'll ever share, but it's been it's been a lot because I've taken three yeah. major ones. Um, so what do you feel is the driving impulse that creates that ickiness around saying that, you know, this is my profession and I charge money for it? What do you feel I, is the ickiness behind there? I feel the ickiness is basically because yoga is a spiritual discipline from a country that we all don't exist in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really, uh, that's the crux of the issue, right? And that I think is, in my way of thinking, that's also the crux of a lot of the cultural appropriation that we see within our country. You know, um, the, and you talk a lot about no alcohol with yoga, mm-hmm. and uh, you and I are very aligned on that. Um, like, but also, I know for a fact that wine and yoga classes have paid very good teachers' bills. Mm-hmm. And we're having to choose between doing the work that pays our bills and doing the work that feels like it is in alignment with, you know, the tradition and the practice. And the fact of the matter is we're all humans and we'll all choose to eat. So mm-hmm. I think we need to stop shitting on each other for choosing to eat and figure out a better system that gets us all paid more. So at the end of the day, we can sit down and be like, man, we love this tradition and we want to do better. Mm-hmm. But in order for us to all make that decision, we have to be out of a place of scarcity we have to be out of that place of well i want to do yeah like i want to do better but also i need to pay school fees next month or i need to you know get my car repaired or something like like Mm -hmm. i think it's okay that we make money it's already here and if all the good humans leave the people who don't care about their tradition and practice are the people who are left The level of impact that yoga has had on my life and very specific humans along my path is incredible. It's it's priceless. There's really not like a dollar amount that you can put on personal life transformation. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think most of the general public actually fully understands the potency of the spiritual discipline of all of the aspects, all of the limbs incorporating them. And yoga is traditionally an oral tradition. It's not something that we necessarily just watch recordings on all the time. There's a transmission that occurs when you teach, when I teach. Um, I mean, it's baffling to me that people would take the stance that we shouldn't be getting paid for our time and energy and training and skill set in doing that. That's a privilege. I mean, I don't know anybody who takes that stance who is not in a privileged place. Mm. Like, you know, when I first became a yoga therapist and a lot of people like, so I trained to be a yoga therapist before the credential was there, like two years before they launched the credential was when I graduated from my yoga therapy training program. And a lot of people said, oh my God, you had so much foresight to see that yoga therapy was going to be a professional career path. And here's the truth of it is that I had a baby and my ex-husband left me and my son and I needed to figure out how to get paid more per hour to do the one thing that I enjoyed doing and had had a skill set at. I spent most of my 20s waiting tables and teaching yoga. Like, so when I needed to go to work to pay my bills to feed my son, I was like, I have two skills yoga and waiting tables how do i make the yoga work and so i went and i got trained and in my mind at that time in 2011 i was like if i can just charge like a massage therapist charges like i can make 60 dollars an hour versus you know at that time like 15 Mm -hmm. was like a good class then at least i can feed my son Mm -hmm. and First of all, the amount of single moms that are yoga teachers, that are yoga teachers. I mean, and there's so many of us. Like, I'm no longer a single mom. I have a partner. I got married again. I'm I'm blessed, I guess, in that way. I mean, (laughs) like, whatever. I did all the right things, you know. But, like, 
the fact of the matter is that there are a lot of single moms that teach yoga because it's a schedule thing. Like they can schedule it with the time that their kids are in school. They can schedule to do those. Like the fact that we have an industry that's so flexible that allows people mm -hmm. to piecemeal together their schedules so that they can also have a life with their families. And then on top of it, we're going to say, but you shouldn't be getting paid. Like, like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Mm -hmm. If your only solution is that we either, either you're evil because you're making a million dollars or you don't get paid at all, at all, I'm out. Like, I'm out of that conversation. There's got to mm -hmm. be something different we can do. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And like, we talk about exchange and the idea of the different pay structures. So like even moving beyond like, oh, you should be doing this for free. Okay, push that aside. Now moving into because I think, you know, the idea of yoga should be accessible, right? And that's a really uh, open ended statement. <laughs> but <laughs> yoga should be accessible, i.e. free or donation based sliding scale. So what are your, you know, what are your takes on those different forms of, you know, payment? So I this is a hill I will die on fighting the, like, and I will maybe be alone. I will have three people. I've I'll be there with you. Okay. Sliding scale doesn't work. It does not work. And if you slide, if you talk to other communities of humans who are really out trying to make anything available to absolutely everybody in a population, they will say sliding scale is so problematic. Like if you have, so I'll use yoga therapy again as an example, right? Like I charge $120 an hour as a yoga therapist. So let's say that's my medium rate, median rate. And sliding scale would mean that I have a $100 option and I have a $140 option, right? Or, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm going to mm -hmm. go down to 90 and up to 150. Do you know how many people I've still priced out of the market with my $90 mm -hmm. option? I still can't reach the people who quote unquote have less. I've not made enough to live. Like, like it's the exact definition of a lose lose situation. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're still not reaching the people who don't have financial resources because even $20 is too much. Mm -hmm. And now you've decided that you're going to live off of, you know, your super low price and you don't feel like you're thriving. I mean, and you still just, haven't reached the community of people that you were intending to. Yes. And you still aren't reaching the people who, you know, maybe have a disability and can't work and are on a very fixed income. They don't have an extra $30 or $50 or, you know, how much ever you want to charge at the low end of your sliding scale. And on top of it, then you're going to come after, you know, a year of business and come talk to me and go, but I'm still not making any money. And I'm going to be like, great, double your prices right now, like, and stop giving people an option because mm -hmm. also sliding scale means that you don't get to choose what your service is mm -hmm. so if you want to be of service to a particular community say folks with disabilities right like you want to be of service to the people in, in the disability community you get to choose that if you charge enough money to make what you need to make then you can do whatever you want with the rest of your free time you say, hey, I am here for free because this is my calling and my service. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I remember when I first started like really pressing the gas pedal on teaching because I kind of took some time after India to like settle into my life, settle into my practice. Um, and then COVID hit and that was really sort of my ignition switch. It was like, it's time. And I started working with um, some business coaches and it's been so ingrained in my in my psyche being in the yoga community this I, the idea of seva right service um, and I'm like well how do I how do I make this free or how do I make this accessible and they were like you're not even making a living wage yet like <laughs> you cannot help others you can't give stuff away for free when you're in the red <laughs> like so yes. you know and then there's all kinds of shit that comes up too because especially as someone who identifies as a woman right we're sort of like trained and ingrained to put everybody else's gas masks on first, even though, you know, we got to put our own on first to take care of others. So um, in terms of like, when people say that, like your, your rate isn't accessible or it's not reaching the people it needs to, like, what's your, what's your rebuttal? 
good question. When somebody says my rate's not accessible, I agree with them wholeheartedly. It's not supposed to be accessible. I don't owe you accessibility. Mm. I owe the communities I care about accessibility. Like, in what nonsensical way do I owe, you don't get to declare what I owe you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like, I need to make, like, I, I don't owe you accessibility. I also don't owe you a sob story about how little I make, mm -hmm. which is what happens next. I often see people go, I'm so sorry. I can't, you know, I, I can't lower my prices. Really, I make so little with this job. Like, you don't owe them anything of that. Mm -hmm. Like, you get to decide who you are doing good work for. You get to decide how many hours you're giving away for free and to whom. Nobody else gets to decide that for you. And also, so what if your prices aren't accessible to that person? You say, I'm sorry, I'm out of your budget. Mm -hmm. Maybe tell them to clip a coupon or skip a latte. Oh, <laughs> like, if that's what, I, hate, that's what... I hate that guy so much. <laughs> that's what we get told all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, if, you, if you're not making enough money, make sure that you're shopping the sales. Make, make sure, you know, remember, we don't need much as yogis. You know what I would like? I would like a goddamn vacation. Mm -hmm. I would like to make enough money to go on vacation. And I think that's okay for us to say, mm -hmm. like, I need a break. And then we go, but why are yoga teachers so burnt out? Because they can't afford to skip a week. Right. Because we can't afford to take time off. Because we can't afford to, right? Um, yeah. Oh, God. When, okay, so on the topic still of like donation sliding scale, um, I would love if you felt comfortable sharing, um, you know, how your, like your Savo with your studio and like how you, you know, how you give back. Cause I think yeah. it's really smart. So what we do is for every 10 memberships that I have at the studio, I have one free spot. And so I have a nonprofit that I work with in the community and I just call them up and I say, Hey, I've got a free spot. And this year it is a um, domestic violence support nonprofit. And I just say, hey, if any of the humans in your space would like a free membership, have them email me. I slide them on our membership. Nobody knows who's there for free but me. And I feel mm -hmm. very clear about that because it doesn't, it's nobody's business. And it's also not my job to show off how much or whom is coming into the space that's coming for free. And for a really long time, nobody told until one lady came in and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. And this is what Rebecca did. And she's, I get to come for free. And everybody's like, she does what? <laughs> but for me, it was just like a pricing thing. So for every 10 people, one person comes for free. Mm -hmm. When that person rotates out, sometimes they become paying members. Sometimes they just rotate out of the community. Then great, I have another spot open and I just contact the nonprofit again and I say, I have another pass available. Would you like it? Amazing. Um, it's so smart because I feel like when when we're doing things and we can even expand upon the donation yoga aspect, um, like pay what you want. Um, I think that most people's intention is to reach an audience or a community that wouldn't normally come due to financial restrictions. But we're making the assumption that these people really want to come and feel comfortable coming and that finances are the only block. And that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, the argument that I made for a while about, you know, like, oh, it's going to bring in people that wouldn't normally come. It's like, if you want those people to come, you have to go to them. You have to insert yourself into yes. their communities. You actually have to make it accessible. Just by making it free doesn't necessarily make it accessible. Um, if that makes sense. I don't know if something's coming up for you as I'm saying that. Oh my gosh. Like besides applauding. Yeah. Because that's, that's really like the problematic thing about it, right? Is that we'll go in and I saw this a lot in COVID and I don't know if you saw this too, but it was definitely a situation where people would be like, oh, I'm going to give free yoga away on Instagram so that now I know everybody who wants access to my yoga classes can get it regardless of how much money they're making. Oh, look what good I, I'm doing for people who can't afford yoga. And I'm like, 
are those people following you on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Like, probably not. Like, that's the thing is like, when people say they're doing good work, and they're, you know, giving yoga for, away for free on social media, I'm like, who are you giving it away for free to your aunt Eleanor, who was too, who just decided that what you did didn't have value. So she wasn't going to pay you the $20. But now she'll try it because it's free. Mm -hmm. You know, cousin Bob, who's like, well, this all seems like crap. But I guess if it's free, I'll try it. Like, <laughs> that's not a money issue. That's a marketing issue. Mm -hmm. Like, right. It's a bold assumption to make um, when it comes down to it that oh, people aren't coming to my classes because they're too expensive. It's like, there's a whole fucking plethora of reasons why people aren't showing up yes. for yoga. And the United States and the West, the mindset, hasn't particularly created the most welcoming environments. You know what I mean? Like, yes. and that's kind of where I'm at too, is it's like, people feel there's a level of intimidation people feel when it comes to attending yoga classes. And, you know, I just don't feel like making it free is going to suddenly change everything. Obviously it's not, not working. And it really makes like, for example, the summers, you know, we had this conversation yesterday on our call about how hard August is um, yeah. for yoga and just holistic and wellness events in general in the summer. And part of that is because of everything is free. I mean, like any given day you can find a free wellness event, mostly yoga here in Des Moines, like pop-up yoga classes and free classes, um, which it's just, a, it's kind of a beast to deal with because, you know, where I'm at, I have to remain rooted and like, I still have value just because it's July doesn't mean I don't have value. I need to <laughs> remain steadfast. Um, and, you know, if I'm being completely honest, like it's been two and a half years I've been teaching and then my rates are over double than what they were when I started. And that wasn't because Good. I wanted to make more money. Part of it was to mitigate um, demand. Like my schedule was just really overbooked. I was realizing the level of energy needed required, like that I needed to actually facilitate held space for people one-on-one, -on -one, which is intense. And I don't think people outside of a space holding profession really understand the amount of energy and presence and thoughtfulness and mindfulness that goes into having a discussion with someone about transforming their fucking life, talking about the things that um, they want to change. Because I'm not a yoga therapist. I'm not a therapist. I am a yoga teacher, right? So we don't get into like emotional and psychological um, that is for mental health professional, but talking yeah. to people about actionable changes they want to make in their life, teaching them how to hold themselves accountable, like sharing practices with them. It's, it's a lot. And it was not something that I, um, I, I wasn't expecting it. You know what I mean? The level. And I'm like, wow, like this is actually intense and very high value. And I've gotten value from I always work with a coach. I'm always working with a mentor or a coach because it's yeah. such, it's, it's so fucking impactful to yeah. have someone hold space for you to guide you to share different perspectives. And then when you're on the, on the end of it, like, you know, you're my coach and I'm multiple people's coaches, yeah. the level of gratification that comes and the transformation that we see. And so to hear someone say like, $125 an hour is too much is just like, how much did you spend at the bar last week? You know what I mean? Like, how many pairs of shoes? Like, it's it's what a priority on investment too. So, well, oh, sorry, that was kind of a rant. No, but it's really true. And one of the things that I think it's it's like a myth story that we tell ourselves, like one of the lies I think we tell ourselves is if we're if we raise our prices, our customer base will go away. I've never been as busy as I am at $120 an hour. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and also the clients who don't do the work don't come to me because I'm mm -hmm. expensive enough that they go, oh, well, I've paid this money to come and do this thing. So then you really get the impact. Like, yeah. it, it's a skin in the game sort of scenario, right? But it's true. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's absolutely true because. I talked about this in my podcast, which if you haven't listened to that one yet, if you're listening to this one, go take a listen because I poured my heart out into that. It's just me rambling for 25 minutes about, you know, people don't value free shit. They don't. They don't value free shit. Um, 
I remember doing a, I did a free, I did a free thing to generate some interest for a workshop. Um, I did a, the cosmic being earlier this year, which was like a 21 day, you know, 20 minutes live breath work every day to get people into a consistent breath work practice. So I did this hour long free. Yeah. I had 65 signups, 12 showed up. Yes. People don't value free shit. It's just, it's been my experience. It's, I've been on the other end getting stuff for free and I don't fucking value it. I've taken um, different like group coaching cohorts, like six week things, eight week things. And if it's priced too low, like I am not as committed. There is something yeah. there. Like you gotta have skin in the game. It's gotta make you feel a little uncomfortable and you should second guess it a little bit. You know what I mean? You should be like, Ooh, how bad do yeah. I want this? Like how much am I committed? And that's not to say that you have to spend millions of dollars. Right. Um, but it's all relative to where you're at, you know, financially, we're all in different income brackets. So to think that we're going to serve everyone and make everyone happy with our pricing is silly. I think also when you undervalue your pricing or you do like that sliding scale model, like it leads to trying to get your brain into other people's pocketbooks. And mm. I know immediately that the minute my brain goes there, I'm, I'm on the wrong thought plane. Like yeah. it is not my business what other people do with their money. And they are also not accountable to me and my morals and values. Mm -hmm. So like if you want to spend all of your money on like cigarettes and flip flops, you should be able to do that. Like I am not going to judge you. Mm -hmm. And and I'm also not going to say, oh, you know, so-and-so cigarette flip-flop person, like, should be spending their money on me instead. Like, mm -hmm. it is not my business what is in people's pocketbooks. It is not my business how, if they feel like I am out of their budget or not. Like, that is not my business. My business is to make enough money so that I feel like I'm thriving, mm -hmm. so that I can pay my employees at my studio, so that... Someday I can save up and take my kids on a rad vacation. I'm not there yet, but we're all working on it, you know, mm -hmm. like so that I can live the life that I want because mm -hmm. isn't yoga the path to radical personal liberation? Mm. Like, why do I have to decide that my liberation doesn't include like taking my kids to Disney World or something like. Right. Right. Because I think that is something that a lot of us. It's like, a, it's the thought that we sort of wrestle with when we move into teaching is like, what am I gonna have to sacrifice to make this work? You know what yeah. I mean? What do I have to give up to make this work? And it just shouldn't fucking be that way because really no other profession other than holistic and wellness do we have that same sort of mindset. Like, what do I have to give up to be here, right? If I had to give up yeah. something to work for Wells Fargo, I wouldn't fucking do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, and and I will say, like, I don't like the only in yoga sort of story that we tell ourselves, but this one particularly, I do sort of feel like it is an only in yoga kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's going into massage therapy thinking that they're not going to get paid or make money for their massages. Like No one is going into that. But we have so many people who are going into yoga teacher training thinking that they're never going to make money teaching mm -hmm. yoga. Like... And the cost is not that much different between one or the other. Like, and, and I use my mom as an example because she's very like, we come, she comes from a very like white collar, like well-educated class of human beings. And like, she would never have choked on me being a massage therapist. She would just tell her relatives, oh yeah, she's a massage therapist. But I tell you, like, I just got a job three years ago when I opened my business to my mother. Like now she's like, well, Rebecca owns a business. <laughs> for the, You're now the officially employed. <laughs> for the 17 years prior to that, I'm pretty sure she was convinced I did not have a real job. Interesting. Interesting. And it's, I'm trying to decide like what I actually want to disclose here. Um, there's a couple of things that people said to me at the beginning, not the beginning, some of some family members were like, well, what are you actually going to do to make money? You know what I mean? Like, okay. Oh yeah. You're going to teach yoga, but like, how are you going to pay your bills? And you know, it's like well, teaching. That's how I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not doing this broke yoga teacher thing. Like I'm just not, I refuse to do that. Um, 
And then it was about a year ago, one of my longest friends, you know, a college friend, um, yeah. she took my meditation workshop. She's now, you know, a consistent meditator. And she was like, you know, I'm really impressed with what you're doing because I never thought you would get this far. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, I know that was intended to be like maybe a compliment, <laughs> a little backhanded at that, but it's not the first time someone has told me that. It's the most impactful person that told me that. It was just like, you know, I never thought this would work for you. I never thought you would get this far. I thought you would go back to corporate. Like most people don't, you know, find a way to yeah. make this work. And I'm like, well, most people are adhering to the old model, right? Like, yes, you know, teaching a million classes a week and getting burned out. And I just, I can't, I'm, I don't even think my body could handle teaching. Uh, it's more brutal. than more than a few, honestly. Um, with Kriya, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's all energy work really, but oof, like, I just can't even, can't even imagine it. And, and the fact that we're so, I mean, like I, I've considered myself a very dedicated yoga teacher, but sometimes like when I tell stories of my time, when I was teaching like 16 classes a week, I'm just like, that was messed up. Like, like my water broke for my daughter a month early. So I had, so I didn't have like subs arranged for my classes yet. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> And I met my class at the studio after my water broke to tell them I wasn't going to be there so that they would still come to my class six weeks later when I returned. <laughs> like, and then people are like in the yoga space, they're like, oh my God, you're so dedicated. And I'm like, do you know how fucked up that is? Yeah. That I thought that I seriously and legitimately thought that I would lose money and clients if I didn't tell them why I didn't show up. Mm. Just got to sit with that for a minute. Don't do that. You're like child is exiting the birth canal and like holding, holding them in like, Hey y'all don't forget to come back. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I'm so sorry. I missed yoga class today. I'm so sorry. I just have to go to my water broke two hours ago. But I wanted to make sure that you all knew why I wasn't going to be here. Make sure that you do your breathing, like all the bullshitty yoga stuff. And my husband's in the car, just like, I don't know <laughs> what, what she's doing. Right now. Like, like we, we went to the hospital and my midwife was like, honestly, where the hell have you been? <laughs> Teaching yoga. <laughs> yeah. I had to meet my class first. Um, well, shoot, I don't even know how long I've been talking to Rebecca. Is there anything else coming up for you that you want to touch base on? Cause we could probably go for hours, but I know I know we could go for hours. Mm -hmm. No, thank you for having me. This was like, awesome. I love talking with you. This is good. I know. I, I, I love you too, Rebecca. I'm really grateful to have crossed paths with you because I think what you're doing is smart and, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And I feel like these conversations need to be had more often. So it can bring this up and bubble it up. And so we can stop feeling bad or icky about trying to make a livable wage. We shouldn't feel bad about that at all. Right. Like yeah. I am, I am a single parent. I am, I have a teen, right? Like inflation, the economy, it's intense. Like, and we're all just doing our best. So <laughs> if you are a yoga teacher listening to this, I would love to hear, you know, any feedback that you have or questions that you have um, for Rebecca, but, um, I think I would love to end by just like asking if there is like one major takeaway that you could give people in this industry, like teachers, facilitators, space holders, um, or something you've learned, you know, in your 20 years in the yoga industry, what would that golden nugget be? I think the thing, and, and we cover this, but this is the thing that like freed me up to do all the other thinking was when I figured out how to stop selling yoga. When I, when I figured out how to stop making the yoga part of the commodity exchange, because then I felt like I was a teacher, then I could gift people yoga generously. I didn't have to answer. Like if somebody had a question after class, I didn't have to answer them and say, oh, you should take my training or, oh, what about this workshop? I could just be really generous about it. And, and when I figured out that for me, it was the experience in person or online, it's my skill set and expertise that I'm selling and it makes sense to sell those things, then everything else fell into place. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that is literally 
a mindset shift, right? That's not some massive like external major change, just a different perspective of looking at it. And it's really opened up my eyes a lot to, because I never felt that. I never felt like I was selling yoga. I felt like I was selling my time or my energy. And even you have helped me open up that like, no, dude, you're creating experiences for people. And that's truly priceless. So Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm sure maybe you'll be back for another episode and talk some more, talk some more stuff, maybe about YA, who knows, but I really appreciate your time. Um, How can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Sebastian Yoga, or you can go to my podcast website, workinginyoga.com. And that has a lot of my writing as well as my podcast episodes. You can even submit from my blog if you want to write about the business of yoga and you have nowhere else to put it. Come talk about me because I don't you can talk as much smack as you want <laughs> we're here for it yes um, amazing cool well I'll put all of your links in the in the show notes and yeah thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me thank you amazing all right guys we'll see you next time on the breath of rebellion podcast have a great day